0: This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast that knows what Elon Musk is doing with all those tentacles in his super secret underground lair. I'm your co-host Yvette Dantremont, and I just spent the last weekend hanging out with my lovely co-host Alice at a conference, and we, yeah, we didn't do anything sexual, but it was a lot of fun. Alice, how are you doing today?
1: You know, we keep saying to our audience that you know it's kind of like a will they or won't they, and you've kind of killed it for all of them.
0: <laughs> I just I want them to think maybe they're snuggling a little, maybe it's a little more. And you know, those all those maybe pictures we're of snuggling us looking too close. I was looking like I w- I had a, a direct eye full of your boob, and I want them you to gave know it was me a hickey. It wasn't a hickey. I just I I rested a tooth on your shoulder, and I think it was it was lovely. Do it I was, just it was a fun time. You know what? I haven't found out yet, but I'm going to work on it.
1: Well, clearly, you already literally left your mark on me. So,
0: <laughs> you, hey, you were not complaining that much. You were, if you were complaining that much, there would have been, you could have, a, you could, you could have lodged a complaint. I'm just saying. You, you, to you who? lodged a, you, to, I, I don't, we were at a conference. You could have told someone. I, but it was more like, see, Yvette gave me a hickey. I'm like, oh, you're scandalous, I can tell.
1: Well, I am. OK, so I'm. So aside from you <laughs> giving me hickeys, I am actually really excited today. We have an amazing guest with us today. And I mean, I think the best way to describe her is she's the Meryl Streep of porn.
0: She's a living legend. And we she we've just tortured her with dealing with 40 minutes of her audio issues. <laughs> so which. Which. So we're very grateful that she's still here and recording with us.
1: We have Nina Hartley with us. I Can't believe this. Nina, thank you for joining our little porncast.
2: Thank you. I love talking about sex. It's what I do and honing in on 35 years of doing it consistently. I still am excited to go to work every day. Which is amazing because number one, you
0: don't look like you've been in this industry for 35 years and number two, the fact that you can still you're still in a job that you love still doing amazing work. It's just, it's fantastic and one of of the questions we
2: got from our followers was how do you have this longevity? Because I'm on a mission from the goddess if you want to say so. I'm, I'm missionary zeal for the healing power of sex. I love it. The fact that pleasure is our birthright as born human beings. What culture does to rob us of our agency and being in our bodies. I'm a nurse, don't forget, and nurses deal with suffering on the physical level. A body knows how to have pleasure, it just needs support. And both labor and infants and bodies and pleasure are beyond words, and it's it's the power of the touch. So I see us as a culture chronically somatically deprived. I see how somatic deprivation impacts in my life and my ability to be a fully functioning feeling person all the things you know the maturing thing that the adults are supposed to help you with your stuff and then they don't and then you're left to deal with it on your own because ah the seven days ah. oh my God! so for me the connection between sex and babies and pleasure and birth and all the and dance and all the things are, is, is very primal and personal to me I get to be in a laboratory it's like where I do my work you know why do I want to be around naked bodies willing to let you touch them because that's, <laughs> that's what I do that's where they are people say Nina why porn it's where the naked women were mm-hmm. Who'd already said yes, and I needed a place where there's good boundaries between what was relationship and what was work. I needed people who showed up already naked, already having said yes. I suck at, at social things, so I didn't want to date anybody. I wanted to get my hands on people who were willing to be handled. So I call it the veterinary school of sex, because I went on as a professional. We'll get along so well. I have 10 seconds to let my partner know they're safe. They're going to be fine, and it's going to be really fun. <laughs> And so I pride oh, myself I on my skills. I, I love teaching my skills. I love knowing that I that if I can teach, I'm a nurse. They're here to role model, educate, and advocate. I advocate for consensual pleasure. I advocate for the right for any consenting adult, any configuration to do what the hell they please, for as long as they please, with whomever they please, and you don't get a fucking saying, and what the fuck is wrong with you? I will cut you. <laughs> we got to cutting people very quick oh in this God. podcast
1: episode, so we normally get that 45 minutes in.
2: My sexual rights are dovetailed with my rights for reproductive justice and my right to be a sex worker and to utilize the labor of my body. And so the repressive culture's differentiation of the labor of my genitals versus the labor of my back or my brain or my emotional labor, women do lots of emotional labor, and I don't get to, quote unquote, sell that part of my body. I'm not selling my body. I'm selling my labor. My body goes with me everywhere I go. You may rent it out for a while for a lap dance, but it really is still mine. So the misogyny and the sex negativity and the erotophobia of anything that seeks to control what women do with their bodies enrages me to the core. And feminists, you know, have their version. The feminists and the anti-sex right-wingers have a Stalin-Hitler pact about how to keep the status quo going by the continuing um, harassment and legal harassment of sex and sex workers. It makes me angry. So,
1: uh, yeah, I definitely want to touch on that in a second. So
2: So my longevity? It's full of naked ladies. I love what I I do. So I know short answers here. Sorry. Oh, no, I can sit here and listen to you talk about this
0: all day. These are all like... But no,
2: but the conversation should be back and forth. So ping, and now you get to Pong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, for our audience um, who have, I mean, I, I don't know how someone has never heard of Nina Hartley, but there are those individuals, those poor souls. We'll
0: get them there.
1: So a little bit of background. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll walk them through. So as you mentioned, you've been in this industry for 35 years. You're an avian, you're an XRCO Hall of Famer. You have been in well over a thousand different films as an actress and 18 films as a director. Some might know you from Boogie Nights. Uh, You were one of the first to make that crossover into, quote, mainstream acting with that part. But you're definitely one of the most enduring and recognizable performers in history. And you know, you're an actress, you're a director, you're a sex educator, you're a sex positive feminist, you're an author. I'm trying to figure out what you don't do. I mean, we know you give a fantastic blowjob. So I I feel like I need to pick some books up about that. I'm a good cook. I'm a lousy
2: housekeeper. I don't do housekeeping. The most important thing is, what keeps my longevity is, I bring good news about sex. And we don't hear enough of that. I bring good news about sex. is The good news is that every single person who has a body can find their best place that's safe and wonderful. And every body, every person can build for themselves the sex life that they need to be sustained and fulfilled. Because the smallest unit of sexuality is a single human being. And that's my job. My shit is my shit is my job. Your shit is your job. And we meet in the middle. And so as long as you care to look inward and use becoming comfortable with what pleases us erotically is both the gas and the engine, the road and the destination. It's the carrot and the stick. Learning to be in our physical bodies and be with ourselves when we're upset, when we're alone, when we're having pleasure. All the things that touch us at the most delicate, scary places. We need a way to quiet ourselves, to be in our bodies without drugs, without alcohol, without the phone, without distraction. How can we be with ourselves alone in a room and not be full of anxiety and pain and fear and loneliness? We have a joy generator embodied in us. And that is the conscious and intentional use of erotic pleasure to tap open the enormous, unquenchable, un- everlasting well of pleasure and love. We are designed to be loving creatures. It's in our bodies. It's how we. It's how we teach our children. It's how we. It's so there. Everybody can do it. Now, some of us have more to work through. The thicket's longer. The thorns are bigger. The obstacles are harder because of our conditioning. But as long as you have a body, you have a place to go home to, and pleasure is our way in. And a second of pleasure, then for every second of pleasure we give ourselves consciously and healthfully we erase one second of pain and anguish and some of us have more seconds of pain and anguish but eventually you'll get to zero people don't love themselves. And so they hate themselves for touching themselves. And so learning to use masturbation as a way to express love for yourself and not think it's second best or not the real thing. It's a real thing. You're real. And so you are, it is a real thing and it's safe. And it's a wonderful place to learn about yourself and it keeps other people away from your shit. And, and so no one can shoot on you. you don't shit at anybody else. Handle yourself. It's a very important thing. Do not date anybody who doesn't regularly masturbate. Just don't do it.
1: So all priests, out of the question, that's what I'm hearing.
0: (laughs) And as I like to say, it's, you know, for everyone who is who is ashamed of what they do with their masturbatory and porn habits, masturbation is sex with someone you love. You should take care of that. There's always, you know how they call it the honeymoon period of a relationship. I like to call it the UTI period where you're fucking so much that you give up the health of your kidneys or
1: I normally just give up the health of my legs. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know you don't need those quads you don't need them for walking later
1: that's why i have spare crutches in a wheelchair that's yeah, awesome <laughs> it's it's good to have a
2: weekend like exact. that
1: every once in Several. a while
2: yeah once in a while it's awesome There's nothing like i mean i'm queer as fuck, but nothing like good heterosexual man woman sex ah oh, man it's just a big kilt in the kilt and a beard it's like oh <laughs> yeah Oh, oh. And it's like
0: my husband is a he is he's a feminist, but he is as you can't look at him without thinking that as a guy. <laughs>
2: awesome. no, I love feminist men. I love feminist men. I love beards. I like man buns. It's all good. You know.
0: Man, but and it's like the last month, I, I mean, here's a little bit of a departure from sex. I was sexually harassed at a conference last month and my husband was just there with me through the entire thing. So, I mean, when when I say feminist, he, he really cool. deeply gets it. And it's it's nice to have a guy who is there through all of this. I mean. He knows that I'm sitting here on a podcast talking about, never mind, knows, he's editing it. Uh, and I cool. mean, he's, he's totally hundred percent behind it. And it's, it's nice to have someone who, who's on board with this. And I think we need from, you know, through educators like you, we're going to get more men on board with it and more women who don't. And, and men
2: need to talk to other men. Men are not, men do not listen to women finger poking them and shaming them yes. and giving them some moral superiority. Men, dudes yes. need to talk to dudes. Yes. Until it's not cool that your girl doesn't come too. Yes. It's like, dude, yes. what's your problem? I
1: I feel like more men need to have discussions about making women come and not if a a woman can come. I feel like that has been a discussion for decades of, hey, do women actually have a G-spot? Do women have, can they have the ability to come? I mean, I I feel like I've heard this my entire life and it's so exhausting. I mean, you've been in this for 35 years. I would hope you came once.
2: (laughs) I have come one. If I don't make porn to come, that's not why I'm there. My orgasm, it's really oh, no, no, boring no. to watch. No, but the secret to... I'm, my, I'm
1: just hoping at least once in 35 years.
2: I, I will say this. The reason I can do movies for so long is my back in 1984... My first rule to myself was, if I don't do it at home for free, I won't do it on camera for money. That makes sense. And so I've never, even on my worst day work, I was never hating what I did. That makes a lot of sense. That's and good. then a whole bunch of things I do off camera that nobody sees because a girl's got to have a private life. We like that. People think I show them a deep, I'm not, I'm not showing them myself at all. I am performing sex in a way that I stand up for and believe in, which is to someone who's having a good time, has agency, has ideas, hey, just try this. Is not, Is not weeping in the corner who's clearly like, I like the guy. This is good. This is a good thing to showcase, and plus a camera. Woohoo! I'm an exhibitionist. Rock on! I don't gotta date nice. you. I don't gotta hear about your mother. <laughs> I don't gotta. No, no 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 man. See you next. I loved it. I love that it was. I'm like a dude that way. I love that with bump and dump See you next time and get paid. Rock the fuck on. Plus I had a, a laboratory to work in. I, I love that way of looking at it. A laboratory. Had the I had the pollinators, so the, the pornography companies pumped out my material, never knowing that I'm a fifth columnist that I'm deeply imbued in queer culture and feminist theory, and I was always representing for our side. And so now I am an avatar of sex. So a guy's going to watch me fuck with the strap on. Yeah, I got blonde hair. Yeah, I got titties. Yeah, I got a tan line. But I fuck like a dude. You have to fucking know that shit. People do pay attention to porn. And so my nails were always short. You know, I just, the way I approach Evolva clearly shows that I like them. And people say, you know, how are you so successful with women? I desire them like a dude and respect them like a lesbian and anybody can learn the skill set it just starts with respect for the female body i'm enough 70 Scottish worshiping for that it's like vulva is fucking great and i know that you're straight but you should go to gar uh, youtube garfunkel and oats college try oh i haven't seen how have i not seen that when we're done with this you'll go to it <laughs> and you'll die laughing you're just going to die laughing i'm the bi chick that loves being the straight chicks one time i don't want i don't want to date you then there are the women who are bi from the from the waist up meaning making out with a girl and boobies fuck yeah vulva fuck no so that's okay i'll keep my pants on, lay down i am another garfunkel and oats cliche
0: you know their song the loophole i love that song so much i was raised very catholic i was led to believe that any sex in the front door was sex that jesus was sending you to hell for yes he, but they never talked so much about the other door it's the kind of sex
2: that god can't see
0: it's the sex god can't see so i mean i This is—it's funny because this is the most uncomfortable I ever made an audience. Because I do some public speaking. This was a an atheist audience. They are there for the religion jokes, and I normally don't pick too much on on religion in my act. But I was like, yeah, I I was so Catholic, I lost it in the ass first. And this this audience who had been laughing at filthy jokes, just suddenly all the oxygen sucked out of the room because it was such a true
2: thing. It's it's true the world over in culture. So in America, you know, anal sex is what you do for your special man. In Europe, it's what you do until you get married because. you don't want that baby so and also i have uncircumcised penises so anal sex with uncut cock is the best i did not know that so for skin is way fun and i can oh. and i consider circumcision to be infant genital mutilation so for against it for girls or if it should be against it for boys i'm a full-on intactivist as well it's like i've seen circumcision done in the hospital it's just it's brutal and it's mean and what the fuck
0: I, I generally lean towards it's like if you if you have that choice it's
2: generally when you're 18 yeah. you do what you want you know what dude It's your yeah. penis whatever mwah, pierce it tattoo it i don't care but i'm gonna leave it alone until you're old enough to decide what the heck you want. Because, oh my God, I'm so glad I, I never had kids. I never wanted them. <laughs> Same here. I was prepared. by the, the person who would have been the father was someone who wanted his son to look like him. And he little did he know that I would have killed him rather than have anyone cut my baby boy. Luckily, I never had babies. It was never an issue. I never had to go there, but no way. I just want
0: to know... How often are men standing there comparing their penises to their sons?
2: I just don't think this is... A- you watch daddy pee and, and, you, and you go on a camera and you pee next to daddy. You realize, you know, at some point that, you know, you're going to get bigger like him. And all you have to say is when daddy was a little boy, we didn't know better. And now we do. Yeah. Kids are really good about picking up on this stuff. All they want is their questions answered, factfully, and leave it at that. So actually, fun
1: fact, the leader of the anti-masturbation movement actually was Kellogg. Same guy who, yeah, Kellogg's oh, yeah.
2: cereal corn flakes and don't touch yourself. Right. Exactly. And I think Charles Graham of Graham Crackers, my father was born in 1915 and to a, a well-off family in New York. And so he was one of the first generation of children to be born in a hospital, which was the modern, clean, and progressive thing to do in 1915 instead of being born at home. And that was when Kellogg was really quite popular and powerful. And so my father a Gentile, but he was circumcised as a baby. Kellogg promoted circumcision for boys to prevent masturbation.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it was about. It's like, let's take away
2: those 20,000 nerve endings. It is the cruel barbaric thing that just it takes off half a man's sex pleasure but if any cock is clean and tested i'll suck it happily because i love fellatio so that part i like foreskin because it's more to play with and it makes the penis more like a vulva because it renders it more of an internal, external organ. But it's more to play with.
1: We actually, we were reviewing a film not too long ago. We were reviewing Not the Wizard of Oz. We didn't realize you were in it, actually. You were playing on TM. And I didn't realize until you were sucking cock who it was. And I was like, oh, we have we have a,
0: we have have someone who I love and this is great. So do I have a cock sucking style that you could recognize?
1: Yeah, kind of with the outfit. I couldn't recognize you at all. And then all of a sudden. So
0: what about my blowjob made you realize it was me? I'm fascinated. Needed to hear. Well, for me, it wasn't the blowjob, it was the face, but I would say it was a recognizable style.
1: Correct. Yeah. It just, you kind of have this style of wrist movement. It's, it's hard. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Clearly, been one too many videos where I've clearly seen you with the cock in your mouth, and that's why it was so recognizable to me.
2: (laughs) But that's fine because that means that that, that some essential thing of me has shown through all these years, which I really love, Felicia. (laughs) I think,
0: and here's here's something that I think some women do not know, or or not just what I was going to say. It's I think I think some people think that you only get your mouth to work with when giving a blowjob. I hope more people realize you get a hand, you get two hands, depending on the person you're working with. To extend your mouth and your throat, there is so, you have so many things you can touch somebody with on your body. Touch all the body with all your body.
1: Nina, I have a question. Yes. Because you are such a master at giving blowjobs, what are some, you know, aside from, you know, touch and play with all the body, what are some helpful tips that you would give for someone who doesn't effectively, or I don't know, wants to improve their skill set when it comes to giving a blowjob? I would love to know.
2: So first I'm going to assume mutually desirable, no more than two drinks into the evening, consenting yes. adults who like each other and no bullshit, right? So that's my, that, when I ever have talk about people having sex, I'm assuming consent. I'm assuming enthusiasm yes. on both parts and all the things. If it's blowjob only, then the blowjobber should probably, if I'm going to, I'm going to be very heteronormative here. Um, because I don't think I need to teach gay men how to suck tuck. Um, So I'm assuming a female blowjob giver and a cis male blowjob receiver. So it would help her position to put on some kind of pretty lingerie, because when he looks down, that your boobs are framed as prettily as they can be. You do not need a lot of makeup, a little mascara and or lashes don't hurt, but you don't need to doll up because you're not that far away, mainly. Waterproof? Um, depending if you want to play the, I'm so big, my mascara is <laughs> running game, or do you want, oh, you know, you can wear the extra water-soluble makeup depending on the game. There's a blowjob for every occasion. Oh, you've inspired me already. <laughs> yeah, there's a blowjob for every occasion. Two things to keep in mind. You can give a blowjob from a dominant position, a submissive position, or a neutral, co-equal position. As long as you are amusing yourself, he will be happy. He has an enthusiastic, pretty female near his stuff. He's cool. And that's all good. So you just have, you know, just clap at it. Don't try to be like a movie. If you like what's happening, he's going to know it. A cock, when a cock feels safe enough to come out and play, it'll get hard. I feel like that needs to be on a t-shirt. Right. It just men men have emotions too, and their emotions are often shown through whether or not they feel safe enough to get an erection. And you cannot get a dick hard any more than he can get you to take it at the S. A dick will come out when it play when it knows it's welcome and it's safe and its partner is playful too. So just don't forget the spot between his balls. That's the base of the dick and the taint. And yeah. so you hold that gently in your hand, ergonomically speaking, and you just squeeze the cock put your face near it. And so he had cock in one hand and the base of his dick in the other hand and to squeeze in tandem until, and coax the blood in. None of this frantic jerking of a soft dick. Oi! also go up and play with his dick and make out with it. Let him squeeze your boobies. And then he'll feel very potent and he'll get hard. Then you can slide down to that. So amuse yourself with his penis. He will feel like a god. You will get juicy and then you'll have the whole evening to yourself and he'll do whatever the fuck you want. Show desire nicely. Don't order him around unless that's a game, but just like, oh my gosh, I love your cock. I want to do this. He'll probably go, Sure. Why not? I mean, you know, I can get very wet just performing fellatio. So it doesn't have to be reciprocated.
1: Yeah. So I have a question. Now, uh, this podcast, people are going to learn way too much about me. But so I don't have a gag reflex. However, I have a feeling that some of our listeners and our audience do have gag reflexes. Are there things, and maybe if someone has one of those, which I, I mean, I'm going to take a wild guess and maybe you don't have one like myself, uh, any tips that you would give someone who maybe does have a very sensitive reflex?
2: Actually, I do. First, uh, people with no gag reflexes are a thing of beauty and a joy forever. Uh, Gina Fine, it's an ancient movie called Amberland's Personal Best. And in it, Gina Fine, effortlessly, effortlessly, deep throats a thick 11-incher. And I barely can get the head in my mouth. Oh my God. It is impressive. It is impressive. Oh, I would oh. understand. What? AdultDVDEmpire.com, Amberlyn's personal best. OMG. That being said, deep throating as a thing is overrated. What the gentleman really prefers is, yeah. is sincere enthusiasm and cock worship. You love the cock. And it's the cock of God. Every cock I suck is a cock of God. Every pussy I suck is a pussy of God. That's why I can stay there for as long. I'm worshiping. It's like, I'm in church. Go away. Shut enthusiasm. up. It's not about you at all. I think people underestimate
0: enthusiasm. It's my
2: favorite Sunday sermon. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So don't forget worshipfulness. Worshipfulness is an emotional state. The object of worship is irrelevant. What I like about fellatio and cunnilingus is that the object is portable and everybody has one or the other. You can worship anywhere. Church is everywhere. Every, everyone's a church, right, for me, so because I'm queer and not monogamous and all the stuff. So you can work with your gag reflex so you no longer are panicked by it. And then you can put on the party trick. So the party trick is, this is what, until you do this, he cannot put his hands in the back of your head lest he lose his penis in a wear bite. So you're, you have to have your partner. Your partner must be on for the board. And this takes, this takes anywhere from four to 10 blowjobs to get down as a skill set. But it is the party trick of the gasping, choking, semi heaving slobber-inducing, slime-inducing blowjobs out of control. It's a party trick. Using his penis, his erection, put your hand in the base of it, work it in the back of your throat, open your mouth and start breathing, mouth breathing around his penis and still you start coughing. Coughing's real. You You have triggered your gag reflex, but you're not, you're in control, so you're not panicked. Your brain's not going, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die. So, and then get used to that sensation So it's until your stomach starts heaving. Three heaves, pull back, catch your breath, slobber, 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 jerk, 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 back down. Every time I did a blowjob, I did that three times per blowjob. I just pushed it until I was almost going to puke for real, but not quite. And now it is easy peasy. And then you pull it off and you need to smile because you're not really choking. But the gag reflex is real. The physiological response is real. And so the idea that he's the king master face fucker of the world is a fun thing to do. So whenever a guy I'm giving a job to is flagging, because he's being too polite, want to, I take his hands, first making sure he knows how to pull hair properly, I take his hands, put them on my head, and let him guide the blow job, so it's become a fuck doll. And it's really a lot of fun, because then his dick gets hard about two seconds, because he feels some power and gratitude, and you keep your hand in the base so he can't really choke you, because that really does blow chunks um and so it's part of the part of the role-playing and the fantasy of the unbridled passion i can't believe i almost like i can't take it all your cock is so big and i can make myself gag on a four-incher it's not about size it's about where in the back of your throat you point it so and it's, it's really theatrical it's so fun it's just like ah, 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 i'm gonna try again and, but then the no gag reflex is a tremendous gift and not common so lucky husband boyfriend person
1: oh yeah definitely lucky. I'm glad
2: you know that he's lucky. Yeah, you.
1: It's actually hysterical. So my partner, whenever he brushes his teeth, his gag reflex is so bad that if he points his toothbrush in the wrong direction, he starts
2: choking. That's adorable. Thank God he's not gay. Oh,
1: wait. <laughs> I know.
2: Oh,
0: yeah, it's that mm, poor thing. No, it's I I think I suffer the fate of most women where, you know, if if you're good and enthusiastic, occasionally you've had to swallow it back down. I think most of us have been there.
2: It's never made up to my mouth. It's never made it that far. Oh, no, I've had I've had one incident. I don't do fellatio after consuming alcohol either. I just don't
0: drink it. I I live in we live in California. I have another drug.
1: (laughs) So while we're on the topic of sex, what do you wish people would do in porn more often?
2: Well, there's such a variety of porn now. A lot of it is content share between peers and so we're just getting together doing what we want to, what we want to do we're not even being hired to do x y and z i wish in boy, girl porn more and more realistic kind linguists, unless that they And when it does have, it's perfunctory. Most of it's pretty bad. There's about three men who actually know how to suck vulva in this business. And even they aren't as good as me. So there's that. Um, So mostly I'm happy to avoid cunnilingus because it's just so bad. That's all acting on my part. I mean, to be fair, cunnilingus is pretty bad everywhere. For sure. If they're watching porn, unless I've got my tape on my guide to cunnilingus, unless they're watching porn, they're going to be bad at it because it's done badly in porn. Any cunnilingus where you can see vulva is called as pornolingus. And cunnilingus is where you see the back Ah, of the giver's head and the face of the receiver.
0: That makes much more sense.
2: That's cunnilingus. See labia and clit, that's pornolingus. Pornolingus. No labia visible, no clit, cunnilingus. Oh, we're going to be using that term again in the podcast. The secret to cunnilingus is a phallus is a phallus is a phallus. So yours and my visible phallus are probably one inch long or less. And most man people's visible phalluses are four to six inches, with a few going way off the charts. At what the fuck's going on here? So most people who identify as female or women have very very short phalluses. And I tell guys, I take my hand and I put my thumbnail about halfway down my first pinky joint, and I say, imagine that your entire cock was this big. How would you want head? do that. Do less, do it slower. What I do is I get my mouth in the correct configuration, which is the upper lip and teeth over the pubic bone with the bottom teeth and lip at the opening. And I just make a nice little seal and I put the weight of my head on her vulva and I don't move. I don't move. Don't move. Don't move. I don't move my lips. I don't move my head. I just, we breathe together and then she, and it it starts twitching and she starts moving against my face. So when in doubt with, with a woman, you supply pressure, let her supply movement and she'll experience you as fucking genius. Stop doing so much. If she is jerking like you have tased her, She, you are overstimulating her. You want her to be relaxed enough that she's undulating into your face and grabbing your head and grinding against it. When in doubt, stop moving. That's such
0: perfect advice. This is great <laughs> advice. <laughs>
2: Now, the way you described,
0: described this earlier, it reminded me of something that I'm curious about. If uh, if the certain, there's a certain sex toy I've seen that I'm curious if it, if you've seen it or not. It just kind of looks like it attaches right onto the clitoris and sucks.
2: I think it's very vulva specific. My vulva, my lips are quite loose and meaty. And some women's vulvas are very, the outer lips are quite tight and firm and small. And the inner lips are very small. So that might have enough tension and natural closedness or like a clam to hold it in place. That would not stay in place. I mean, there's nothing to hold it in placement. So that is so body specific. I've been around enough vulvas to know that for some vulvas, that would be really actually pretty freaking awesome. And for others, it would just be mind numbingly annoying and falling off all the time. Yeah, it's odd. And I'm like, not worth the investment if I don't know. I, for me, I, I'm not interested in it at
0: all.
1: That brings us to an interesting question because you've had such a long and extended career within porn. You know, this was prompted by uh, one of our patrons, Brian. He asked, you know, I'm curious to what you think the best era in Styling for pornography is now you could take that as you want because i know that i mean even when it comes to vulvas and you know how styling down there has completely changed throughout the eras yeah i'm really curious overall what do you think the best era in styling for porn was
2: 70s porn was a dark and furry place and in the '80s, they started what I call the porno mullet, which is bushy in the front, shaved below the cleft. All of the '80s, that got that patch got smaller and smaller and smaller. Till about '90, about it was pretty bare. So through most of the '90s, there's little or no pubic care on most of the women. So now the and going into the 10, going into the early 2000s, and now for young women 25, the porn they grew up with was shaved porn. So for the, so them, bushes like bushes, cool and different. And that's back to the porno mullet, which is more it's- more girls have bushes in front but keep the lips shaved. Yeah, it's it's been
0: like, and I'm starting to see like full like not quite seventy style, but like hair
2: everywhere again. And like that wasn't there even 10 years ago. And it's different. And because it's different, it's confrontational, it's uh, transgressive to them. For me personally, for porn, I would I don't care how free you are on top, I do like it shaved from the cleft down. Because first, it's more pornographic, you can see vulva. Too much hair, you can't see the individual characteristics of the vulva, the inis, the, the outis, all the different ones. Secondly, I don't my hair at top and use it to manipulate the mound, which is fun, but I prefer sucking out a smooth lips and glit because if I suck a cock, it's smooth. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sucking hair. I'm sucking, a, so I, I like, I do like what I'm sucking on to be smooth, but the hair in the front, knock yourself out.
0: Just curious, is it, is it the same thing with men and keeping, uh, trim and clean?
2: Sure. So more and more straight guys in porn are doing the, the the gay look, which is shaving their balls and having less and less pubic hair all the time. So it, it, it is migrated over. I'm very thankful for that. And the men, the last 15 years, 15 to 20 years have had to be much more cognizant of grooming. Oh, that's the worst part of a blow job is the hair.
1: I may not have a gag reflex, but goddamn it, if I get a hair in the back of my throat, I'm going to
2: die. So, so guys, the first, the taller, the shorter the shrub, the taller the tree. Um, So trimming is fine. You need to shave because (laughs) that's hard to upkeep, but certainly trimming and to show, I like women to to at least shave their bikini line, right? Shows that you care about your genitals and that you pay attention to your pleasure. And that's important to me and a partner. And you want it to look pretty. Right. And I like, I like gazing upon them. I mean, we have no choice over how our genitals look short of grooming and piercing. I'm not one to pierce. So just, I I don't need to be shaved. I like, I like a bush on woman. That's fine but be groomed, please. I don't like hair growing down the leg. Okay, okay, I don't care. And I like a shaved leg. So part of my sexist training, I'm choosing to accept and keep Yes, I like a shaved leg. I don't care if you have hairy armpits if you're a woman. That doesn't bother me. And we're allowed to like what we like. Thank you. There's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. not over
0: deconstruct that, oh my God, that I've internalized self hate because of the patriarchy. I think it's good to examine why we like what we like, but you don't have to apologize for it. Exactly. There's
2: no harm.
1: Nina, I have a question. So, since you do have a lot of experience within the porn industry, one thing that's been concerning to me, what I've seen lately, and I don't know if you've noticed as a trend as well, but for for example, it's very worrying to me where I see some feminists who are anti-pornography. Like, I remember last year I went to a Pornhub pop-up in Manhattan and outside there was Gloria Steinem and a handful of other people who were protesting the pop-up. As well as in the UK, you have specific types of porn that are being banned. It's kind of crazy because it's like, you know, these people are climbing into bed with anti-pornography religious groups. I have no idea where this is coming from and why it's happening and it's concerning and I hope it's not an increasing trend. What's your take on it?
2: Hence the reference earlier to the Hitler-Stalin pact between anti-sex work feminists and um, the religious right. So erotophobia, the emotion of erotophobia can be covered up by any amount of rhetoric you please. You can pull your rhetoric from Andrew Dworkin, you can pull your rhetoric from the King James Bible. But these are people who have a very strong emotional response to what they have been told or they feel very bad and they twist their logic into pretzel shapes in order not to confront their own anger, fear, disgust, distaste, whatever. It's like the four-year-old saying, "I feel bad." You stop that, you poopy head. Versus, "Whoa, thank you, bro. I should go take a look at this." Whoa, I didn't know this was in me. So, the porn wars of the of the always been purity crusades in America and the you know, and the whole thing about around white so-called white slavery in the early twentieth century, stoking you know race fear and fear of women being you know taken across state lines for moral purposes. So, in the '70s, there was Women Against Pornography (WAP) used to go door to door, and the beginning of Andrea Dworkin. So, the, the so in the one hand, take responsibility for your orgasm. When sexuality is powerful, when God was a woman, you know, rethinking the, the whole thing of, about female sexual engagement and expression, and the patriarchy, and how women have been oppressed with the sexuality, and how feminist it was to actually be pro-sex worker. The, the third NOW conference had a beautiful poster by Betty Dodson of a woman masturbating on a lotus flower. In the early part of the second wave feminism, there was an early schism between the lesbians and who were called the lavender menace, and the straight uh, white women, mainly mainly white women who wanted they didn't want they didn't want to smash the patriarchy. They wanted some of the pie for themselves they want to succeed in the male world on male terms. So, so by the 80s and the Meese Commission, the porn wars really broke open and that's where the open schism and the feminist movement came between pro and anti-censorship forces. Andrea Dworkin, Ariel Levy, Pamela Paul, uh, Catherine McKinnon, Gail Dines, Gloria Steinem, of course, are clearly the anti-pornography but they consider that a form of sex discrimination and then the people like myself and Carol Queen and Annie Sprinkle and Jiz Lee and Shine, H- Shine Louise Houston and Ella Darling and all the other and Candida Royale and... And Veronica Beer, all the other feminist women who understand that a free expression of my sexual reality is a paramount for me to be equal. I need to have birth control, I need to have abortion care, I need to be able to be as sexual as I want to be. Victoria Woodhull in the 1880s was a free lover. Emma Goldman's so the idea, the radical idea that women are supposed to be granted full adult rights to, you know, live who, live, love whom they please, change that love every day if they want, and you can't say anything about it. So it's a long standing issue. I'm not surprised at all. And Again, for you know, porn is a mirror; but it's not an engine. And so, I think every culture gets the porn it deserves. Yeah. And so, our our culture is very confused and conflicted about sex—the Madonna, whore complex, all the alls. And so, of course, this argument has been going on now for thirty-five years. It has not stopped one bit. Um, except guess- now, there are people of your age who are at least are on who are now old enough to be college professors who are you know also on the anti-censorship side. And and just to, to push this home to some
0: of our viewers who are listeners who might not know the the environment things were like in the seventies, they might not, not might not understand that you know these are issues that have that have been relevant in you know within recent history. Women weren't even allowed to have their own credit cards, I believe, as recently as the seventies. So it's not like equality was right. Dude, they it's couldn't get like birth control worries. without
2: their husband's permission. They couldn't get credit in their own name. And so this is very recent, and we're losing it, of course, because of Trump and. What he's, who he's got on the Supreme Court. All the things that I grew up thinking that we had we had settled for good are going to be challenged. Now we're, it's really scary going forward because of lawsuits. The, the argument is very well, much a lot.
1: Well, not only in the U.S., but for example, in uh, in the U.K., I know... The- oh, I don't
2: know get me started. On so, the, on so the Green Party is full
0: of... Ant- I'm actually unfamiliar with this. So can we... Like, there are probably a lot of our listeners who are unfamiliar, too. There's
2: also feminist thinking on both sides of sex commerce, aka prostitution, that it's, you know, we're trafficked. So the the anti-side says we're trafficked. We don't know what's good for us. We can't possibly want to do this. It's degrading and all the things. And the pro-side says it keeps me alive. It's exciting. I love it. I perform a vital service. So there's, and you know, sex work is real work. Let us survive, et cetera. So the the, the lines are very delineated. And the pro-sex work side is full of very active young feminists and social media folks of your age category who are really not afraid to be out and proud, which is what we needed. So now, so the Nordic solution it used to be that prostitutes were the criminals, and the so-called Nordic solution criminalizes the, the 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 use of a prostitute. So now the client becomes criminalized. So what have prostitutes discovered? Oh, they've discovered now that all their nice middle-class good clients, the ones the regulars, the one you want to see, are drifting away or being scared away, and now their clients are people who are willing to be criminals, asking for more things, asking for less protection, being meaner and rougher. The idea that we can quote unquote End demand for prostitution uh, in order to save sex workers is like ending demand for apples to try to protect farm workers. It is a human need, it's commerce, and we should not be telling people what to do with their bodies Doing consenting adults. And they do it under the guise of, of anti trafficking. So here in this country, yeah. we have legislation now called SESTA and FOSTA. Yes. This has been the worst legislation. And the sex worker groups told them that it would lead to death, and it has. So it, it, they can't say they weren't warned. I'm so upset with Kamala Harris. H- has, and I mean, I've, I've seen the, the letters that people have sent to
0: Kamala, and I, I love her, but I'm so upset with this. She helped write it. She, she's a former prosecutor.
2: She, oh, my God. Sex workers, her staff is willing to meet with sex workers. She is not willing herself to meet with sex oh. workers, and she's one of the authors of stuff. Oh, God, that's so disappointing. Progressive is supposed to be for autonomy, for labor rights you know, and there's nothing about a labor issue. And then, of course, it's also about trans issues, trans rights issues. and And my brother's trans. Doing survival sex work. And so just now, so what this does, it removes workers from being able to screen clients. And so Kamala Harris is a pimp enabler. She has pushed workers back into the hands of pimps because she has removed safe places for them to work by her short-sighted notion of what, who needs to be protected from what. Trafficking is not a significant issue, but like the border issue is something that the right wing can whip up. And it's a huge division within the feminist movement between, do I have the right to my body or not? And so at least if you're religious, I get, you know, like abortion or birth control or pornography or prostitution or gays and all the things. But if you're a feminist, you're fighting for my right to have an abortion and you're not fighting for my right to be a sex worker, fuck you. If your intersectionality doesn't include sex workers, fuck your feminism. Your Feminism needs to be checked.
1: And actually, on a previous episode with Mercedes Carrera, we not only discussed Sesta and Fosta, but we also elaborate a little bit more on how actually it becomes a free speech issue on when it comes to online censorship. So it, it opens a whole can of worms. You know, people who want to find out more, they can listen to that episode. But it's really disappointing how, like, I, I mentioned the UK previously. I don't know if people were aware, but as of 2014, they actually have legislation where on camera and, you know, even between consenting adults you can't have, and this is in British porn, it bans, this is a list, spanking, caning, role-playing as non-adults, physical restraint, female ejaculation, fisting, face-sitting.
0: I I feel like banning female ejaculation, that's just, what? How do you, how do you ban that? That can just kind of, I mean, it doesn't just kind of happen. It involves a lot of very quick and rapid and somewhat violent hand motions, but still, I'm just saying. That just
2: kind of happens sometimes. It's sad. There's variations of that all over the world, and also what's happening here on Facebook and social media. That's all being, you know, conglomeratized. They are now um, really heavily policing sex media and sex culture. They have demonetized YouTube channels for sex educators, even though the videos themselves were not porn and not did not direct to porn.
0: They demonetized a ton of channels for very no for no good reason, really.
2: Banks are now closing down bank accounts and freezing assets of sex workers, and you can't oh say anything God. about. Because those are private businesses and they get to choose who they do work, who they do business with. So they stopped trying to censor us through the courts. They figured that didn't work. And they started censoring us through banks, putting on pressure for content and for, yeah, it's really quite. Are there resources that sex workers
0: use to kind of get around some of the institutions that do these types of things? Or
2: is there what's out there? I should have a list on me, but you can go to Twitter and Swope USA Sex Worker Outreach Project USA is a tag and then follow their links. There's also Woodhull Alliance.org. That is the only civil rights organization that works at the intersection of human rights and sexual rights. Um, I'm on the board of directors of that. And we have a conference of the year in August in D.C. And Victoria Woodhull was a early suffragette, first woman to run for president, first woman to have a seat on the stock exchange, was the lover of Cornelius Vanderbilt. And if you've ever heard of the Comstock laws, which are early, early anti obscenity laws, uh, anti Comstock Wrote those laws in order to shut down Victoria's newspaper because she was also offering birth control and abortion advice. This is in the 1880s. And so the feminist movement at the time um, made common cause with Carrie Nation and threw people like Victoria under the bus for her free love, her free love stance. So they did, so the the, the, the anti sex feminists that we think of today have a long, long history in the feminist movement, along with the racism, and along with the erasing of black women's experiences in getting the vote. And the racism and sexism and, and, and anti woman sentiment goes deep, deep, deep. Women have always been taught to judge each other, right? Women are the ones who keep other women in line. And rebellious women have always faced great trouble socially and economically. Bird is witches, whatever you name it, it, it would happen to them. So the fight is real, it's ongoing. And, and it's taking on new forms that we see now with the censoring of a lot of stuff on the different media platforms.
1: So as you speak about censorship, and you mentioned previously demonetization, I'm curious, because you have lived through this through the introduction of the internet. And how the internet has made free porn widely accessible, and frankly, that's also to the deterrent of performers' compensation. And I'm curious if there's been ways that performers can figure out a ways around that, or how it could be potentially resolved.
2: So, um, two things. First, there is live streaming. It's user to user, user to provider. So it's live in real time. You pay by the minute. And at the end of your show, when you, when you log off, the platform that day you can look into my account and see what you earn today and the checks come in the mail and that's real time there are clip sharing sites like clips for sale or many vids it's user performer generated content that are down into clips and the performer sets the price decides on the content chooses the partners, chooses the behavior and they get a royalty forever so the posting company has all the all the banking and all the interfacing with the client and gives you the platform you provide them the content you get the royalties forever and so you can keep selling a clip over and over and over again you can do custom videos you can do custom skype calls. You can do one-on-one dirty talking. You can sell your panties. So there's, because of the internet, there are more ways for the provider to directly communicate with the user and get paid directly. However, it's more, it turned more of a gig economy than it used to be.
0: I feel like that's going to be the next thing we put for like a reward level on Patreon is our old panties. Like that has to be like a $500 reward level or
2: something. It, that, that's coming, right, Alice? I'm on it. Only if they're really cute panties and that really, then, then you get sent, then you're, then you're tipping into porn territory. Do you really want that? I'm willing to do it. I was about to say, I'll throw
0: down if someone wants to be a $1,000 a month Patreon, you can have my Thanks period panties. We can get really gross on this.
1: I haven't tried them yet.
2: How did you find
1: those? Do you like oh, the yeah. Thanks I love them. I've heard mixed I've messages heard, about them. They are very, very
0: light. Uh, I find them, and I mean, they're thick, like they're they're thicker than normal panties, obviously. For an audience that doesn't know, they are period underwear. They absorb the, they're just like a, we are not
1: sponsored by them, just to be clear.
0: They're not a maxi pad built into an underwear, but they kind of are and they wash out and they're reusable and they're wonderful. Not sponsored by them, but if they want to sponsor us, that'd be great.
2: It was a great idea. And I haven't met anyone who's actually used them. Um, so that's cool. So how many pairs do you need? For being like seven and to ten pair, I have. I think I, I think
0: I might have six or seven pairs of them because I wanted ones of like that were bigger or smaller to absorb more, uh, or that you know were different cuts to match different types of pants. And they're absurdly comfy, and they're yeah, they work. I've never had a a, a leakage or a, an overflow issue with them. The other thing is, I'm on stage sometimes for work, and if I'm on stage and I have my period, it's just I'll you know I'll have a tampon for backup. But like I I tried the Diva cups and. And it just wasn't quite for me. Uh, and the other thing is I've seen in order to keep them safe, uh, or I don't know if sterile is exactly the word, but in order to keep them sanitized correctly, you have to technically either completely sterilize it or swap it out every single time you remove it. And I'm like, I just don't have that much time. So give me, give me the period underwear.
1: No, if you're not going to have kids get the hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, so my personal experience of attempting to get snipped, um, <laughs> it's been long, tough, and unfortunately um, I have haven't yet found a doctor because my first doctor gave me bad information actually they wouldn't even give me an iud unless i had one child what and apparently yeah oh geez uh, they
0: gave me one when i was 22
1: yeah and then eventually i found a doctor who said that as long as i go to a month of therapy first for an iud no 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 for to start for the snipping gotcha Wow. That sounds like no, sixty no, no, stuff. No. Yeah, eventually my partner got snipped, but I, I, yeah, it's been, I, I mean, I live in Manhattan.
2: <laughs> that shouldn't be an issue. That's another thing. So there, there's a patronization of men telling you about your body and what you really want in life. So now that your husband is snipped, um, so you clearly know you don't want kids, talk to your doctor about something called endometrial ablation. Oh. Um. It is basically... They insert a balloon into your uterus, fill it with hot water, and burn back the endometrium, leaving a You char- leaving you barren, literally barren. So there's no more. So your periods go to almost nothing. Your hormones are completely unaffected because the ovaries are not touched, and they don't use it for birth control. That it's, it's only ninety five percent. But even if something, your husband snips, so clearly you don't want kids. But this way you don't have periods. Or start to start talking to your doctor about a laparoscopic hysterectomy, keeping the ovaries in the cervix, and then you just don't bleed anymore. And if I knew then what I know now, I would have had my hysterectomy at thirty two years old when I first started with my fibroids I w- it would have cut out through my belly button i would have been perfectly fine i'm sorry i didn't do it i waited till i was 50 what was my problem
0: you've inspired me again today to go get things yanked out so keep, your keep your ovaries keep your ovaries
2: hormones and Cermix because Cermixes are fun to play with. So there you go.
0: Yeah. Fun story. My brother had a hysterectomy. My brother's trans and he had polycystic ovarian syndrome and he also has lupus. And the com- the, poly- the PCOS flaring up was making the lupus work. And he was, he was going to be transitioning soon. And he's like, I want this taken out. And they're like, no. And he's like, this is causing me pain and making another medical condition worse. They're like, okay, we guess you don't need it anymore. And he had to Convinced them that, you know, he was married to a woman already. He had to convince his doctors that he's like, no, if we want kids, I have a wife. Like it was so nuts what he had to go to in order to get his uterus taken out. Other people I, policing I our so sexuality.
2: That. So that's still a thing.
0: Yeah. It's uh, my brother said it, people do like, don't question him anywhere near as much on his medical issues. Now that he's transitioned, it's kind of horrible.
2: You got his hysterectomy.
0: Yep. Got his hysterectomy transitioned. Uh, and he's like, yeah, people are People are less shitty about pretty much everything now that he's a now that he's presenting as a guy.
1: It's kind of ridiculous that and I've received this objection previously when I used to go to doctors and ask actually about long term birth control or you know, sterilization for myself. Of my my favorite was always, Well, what about your future husband? What if he, you know, wants children? I'm like, then no, he's he's not the one for me. It's clear.
2: Yeah, no. Not the future husband. Oh, you might regret it later that I'll have to live the consequences of my actions now, won't I? Like a grown-up person,
1: it's not like I can't adopt Jesus. I mean, it's just ridiculous that I have to hinge my decision on someone else's, you know, thought of whether or not I want kids.
0: The same people who tell you, yeah, you know, don't get an abortion, give it up for adoption, will tell you not to get you not to not to be responsible with your sexual organs, and you know, in case uh, you want a baby, and you say, no, 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 I want to adopt. Uh,
1: well, I've got it from all sides. Not only conservatives, I've got it from liberals as well.
2: Because liberals also are inculcated in our sexist culture as well. So there's, so there's that. Oh, yeah. Loretta Rossi, activist, um, gave a wonderful talk at Woodhall a couple of years ago, and she said it's always been very easy for brown women to lose their fertility, and very hard for white women to lose their f- fertility. So there's still the fact that. Oh, come on, Alice, you're so pretty. have like pretty baby. You can't really mean it. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. You can't really mean you don't want to breed some more white babies, yeah. right? Or, mm. And so yeah, uh, yeah, it'll make an ablation. And since your husband has been vasectomized, you clearly really do not want children.
1: I really don't. It was actually probably the best thing when I remember one day he just showed up and he was like, oh, yeah, I went for a checkup and I got a vasectomy. Oh, that was fantastic.
2: How much more sex do you have now? Oh, so much more. Um. (laughs) Right? Right? Best thing I ever did. Why? Why did I wait so long? Curses. (laughs) And every day I wake up and touch my abdomen and go, nope. Still good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've not had one moment of baby regret. I've not one moment of baby hunger. It's okay, ladies. You can be absolutely happy in the world and not be a mommy. I'm an auntie. I'm a great auntie. I love it. I love kids. I love kids and they are not for me. Like
1: I like giving them back. Yeah. Like I know how much effort it
0: takes to be a good parent. Cause I've seen my, fr- I've seen some friends turn into really good parents and you know, I love all my friends, but I've seen some of them not put in all the effort. And I'm like, you know, I know how much effort I have in me. It's not good parent effort, okay? So I shouldn't be a parent. Have your views on pornography and your views on your role in porn
2: changed over the years? Actually, not a lot. I think that it is a no coin can have one side. So for all the ugliness that people like to point out, because people who love to be outraged, Carol Queen talks about this because she calls it absexuality, people whose arousal is being outraged. Yeah. Because when you look at at a body in arousal and don't know the source, the Nostrils flare, the breathing increases, the skin flushes, the heart, the heart rate races, um, the cortisol levels go up. I mean, so you just, you are, the person is excited, the molecules are excited. And for some people, outrage at that horrible, disgusting pornography is their pleasure. There's things that make me feel outraged, I'll look at them more than once. I don't go wallowing in that. Cause I don't like that feeling. For some people, that is sex for them because they can't access it through pleasure because of their conditioning and experience. Carol Queen is the best writer. Her book, Real. Live, nude girl It required reading for anybody who wants to be sexually literate on the culture. And she talks about absexuality. Porn is just merely sexually explicit words, images, or pictures. There's so many variations of it. There's something for everybody. Yeah, Every person has some way into their erotic thing, and it's up to them to find the pornography that suits them and then avoid the stuff that makes them annoyed. It's really not hard to do.
0: That reminds me of a thing that comes up fairly often. We'll get women saying, you know, I can't find porn for women, or I can't find porn that I like. And I'm like, Porn for women is porn. Like there's porn out there that will titillate you very easily. And I don't want to tell people just relax because I feel like that's
2: dismissive, but it's like, how would how would you tell people to approach this? So if I'm a female person who says, oh, there's no porn for me out there, sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil and write down what kind of things do I like want to see? Boy, girl, outdoor, indoor. I want to see a story. I want it to be mainly heterosexual. I would like there to be some romance or some feeling between people. Maybe movies aren't your thing. Maybe you need to read erotica stories, which are very explicit, but all the pictures are in your head. Okay, that's how you like to get into it. Maybe you that's like roomie kind of poetry. poetry. That's still kind of porn. Maybe you like Tumblr. Maybe you like drawing. Maybe you like photos. Maybe I don't know what you like. Porn is a big enough phrase. Something that makes me juicy between my legs is porn for you. It might look like anybody else's porn, but it doesn't have to. Right. There's porn you watch by yourself to masturbate, porn you watch with your friends to point and laugh, and porn you watch with a partner to inspire both of you to get down yeah. and it's my advice to couples that the couple watch the porn of the least experienced person because if one person is turned on and one person is grossed out and freaked out you have a bad occasion that has some consent violations mm-hmm. if the person is more experienced with porn just doesn't understand why that's sexy then don't focus on the porn focus on the fact that your partner thinks it's sexy and they're getting turned on and isn't that lucky for you shut the fuck up and be grateful
0: say those are s- salient words of, it's just if you're if your partner has not has not wanted to try to, to watch the porn with you and they're finally watching it be
2: grateful go go into that experience happy
1: i i like though that idea watch the porn of the least experienced person
2: you know you're going to watch the point like later go at the pace of the slowest person and then you'll avoid a lot of hurt the person often in couples they're the person who likes something to be different than it is right now oh yeah it behooves that person to identify the roadblocks of the other partner and to make it as easy, fun, safe, and pleasurable for them to come and join you on your side of the breach, the creek, the chasm, the canyon, I don't know, is it a hill, is it an anthill, is it a mountain? I don't know. If you want a real relationship to continue going and not delve into childish bullshit, make it fun for them to do what it is you want to do. Make it. What's fit it for them? More attention, more pleasure, more orgasms, more excitement, more flirting, more what? And get your ego out of the way. You know, this is not about it should not be about ego. It's not about getting anyone to do anything. It's about finding things you both like to do together. So you want to do it more. Oh, yeah. So, Nina, what projects are you currently excited about? I'm currently excited about my new website, Nina.live and it is my site for coaching, consulting, and counseling. It is completely 100% safe for work. It's got a fair amount of stuff there, but I'll be adding to it going on and blogging. Um, I really want to start selling more what it is i know than what it is i do although i will always be happy to use my hands and my face with younger people having sex on camera i can i can see that my my interest in in having a naked vulva on camera is getting lower and lower i mean it's been done but my interest in vulvas and penises is never ending that will never ever stop and i can see myself being 80 years old helping people out with hand sex because hello what's not to like I also am, um, so my first speaking engagement on my, of the year is I'm going to be University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire on, uh, Dios de las Muertes and speaking about, um, right. por- about, about uh, critical thinking in porn, how to basically not get steamrolled by porn and how to interface with it. And it's for college age people, you know, how to, how to have a critical eye over adult media, how to place yourself in relation to it. So I'm very excited about my new relationship. <laughs> uh, I have a very good partner now who is, who is facing panic? in terms of our desires, our abilities, and our co, our overlapping strengths, um, to to get the message out there. Um, I'll never stop fighting for autonomy and sexual freedom for people because it's really important because it's like your body and if we cannot control what we do with our body we are not free and um and no one knows that more than people in the sexual margins so that's going sex workers nglbtqia folk um and um, and so it's just really it's a really important message and it's a hopeful message when we can start feeling pleasure more we start hating other people less because behind the anger and the hatred is fear and behind the fear is grief. Behind the grief is loneliness. Behind the loneliness is isolation. Behind the isolation is people who rejected themselves at the very core because they've been rejected from a very young age and taught to distrust their bodies and hate themselves. And then they grow up to be big people and inside of them are very, very hurt, very small people. And that is where our trouble lies.
0: So incels, I want you to go out and listen to everything Nina Hartley has ever said and learn to love yourself so you can love other people. I just, I want you to be the the insult whisperer. That's all. Uh, not that I want you to subject yourself to that kind of like occasional anger that outburst. But come, on, boys, no, I, I get it. But, I, but, but but
2: but I do understand. I do understand where the anger comes from. And yeah, and exactly. If you understand the emotional age of the anger, it helps yeah. to not take it personally. And the most important yeah. thing when dealing with yeah. is what you learn as a nurse and working with babies and toddlers, people who cannot speak. It helps. You cannot reason somebody out of an emotional state. You can recognize their emotional mm. state. You can accept it. And then they will be seen and then they can drop it. But if you argue with them, it will stay. They'll stay there forever because you cannot reason your way out of emotion.
0: And people do need to learn to honor their own desires and pleasures without hating themselves for it. Like I, I've I've joked before, yeah, I've seen a porn or two in my life that have made me feel a little weird about how hard it made me get off. But you know <laughs> yeah. it's there's no afterwards you're like, those were tentacles and I feel funny. Uh but you know, there's there's nothing you know, if it's if it's consenting adults or, you know, consenting cartoons that you're watching, whatever. Whatever gets you off, whatever makes you, you know, feel
2: good, there is nothing wrong with it. As long as you know that the working conditions were Yes proper yes Then it doesn't matter the content were they tested were they paid are they of age do they give consent then knock yourself out boo once again pay for your porn correct
1: i feel like we've definitely gone full circle and yes you know we have some patrons to thank carl rafael castillo william kane porter amanda potter cole tracy miller sam montooth eric h glenn shriver joshua rice and everybody else who is a Patreon and has been supporting us, you can join us over at patreon.com slash two one mic.
2: Well, thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. You are amazing.
1: Thank you for thank you for hanging out with us so much. I'll never do it again. Never, I tell you, it's terrible.
0: <laughs> We're dragging you back on here somehow. No worries, not well, a problem.
1: We definitely have to thank Ella Darling for this. Isn't and she wonderful? She, Can this be an yeah. Ella Darling
2: love fest? I love her so, so, I, so much. She is amazing. It was. I love her so much. I can't even, I can't even, it's, I just gaze upon her and I giggle. She's just, oh my gosh. She was our, our first big intro into in,
0: into this universe. And she's just like held her hand and been like, it's okay. It'll be okay. We'll,
2: we'll walk you through this. <laughs> she's been so great. Ella Darling is a gem and a treasure and a delight. And I love her so much. I just adore her. She's fantastic. I am going to say thank you for having me. You have a great rest of your show and thanking all your patrons and good luck and I'll come back if it works. I mean, if you want me back, I'll come back. Thank you so much again.
1: When we do our first live show in the future, you'll be the first at the top of our list next to Ella. Fantastic. Yay. You can find us both at TwoGirlsOneMike.com. You can also find Yvette on her Twitter handle at TheSciBabe, or you could find myself at RationalBlonde. We're always bouncing around on Twitter, but we'll see you next week.